about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Hello, Tim. <laughs> hello, Ryan. Hello, Peter. <gasps> hello, Ryan. And ooh, hello, ooh, everyone. Okay, I'm sorry. Whoa, what? What's happening? Who is that? <gasps> oh, I was going to say hello to our... Sorry. Can <laughs> I... Can I... Can I Why is there... This room feels so warm and crowded. Okay, fine. Okay, everyone. I was gonna wait. I was gonna wait to introduce him. Okay, introduce you our just show. said hi to him. How can we not? How how can you not introduce? Okay, him? Okay, folks. I'll tell you what the show is later. <laughs> we got we got Peter Warden in the house today. A special guest. Here oh, I am. Shit. Hello, everyone. Peter Warden is uh, our our. Well, no, I was gonna say fateful, <laughs> a fateful host <laughs> of uh, to be retro dead. reviews. It's another film podcast, <laughs> and he's jumped from that podcast through your ears to this one. So Whoa. thank you for being here, Peter. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm. I, it's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure to be here. And what can yeah, you tell? Well, oh. So far, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we got a ways to go, but so far in the first first minute or so, it's been a it's been a real pleasure. And thank you for having Great. me. Great. Right. Okay, that's nice of you to say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode forty six. Of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan, well, we and today, <laughs> and today, <laughs> D- am I allowed to talk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to and myself, Peter Warden, today, hey. just today, so far, right? Well, we dismember a horror film, and what does it mean to dismember, Tim? Uh, well... Webster's Dictionary states. <laughs> we talk about what worked for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. What didn't work. And anything we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film that we've been wanting to see that we figure is worthy of dismembering or is just pops up on our hunt for some buried treasure amongst amongst the gold out there for horror films. We feel it's a tackable, tackleable genre. <laughs> Tackable. We'll just stick a tack right, right <laughs> fucking in it. Tackleable genre. It's a taxable genre. <laughs> there <Yes>. you go. <laughs> um, and yes, and today I'm very happy to now introduce uh, Peter Warden again. Oh, you're introducing me now? Oh, again, again. Yeah, again. Right. I just wanted to hear more about you, Peter. I didn't, this... I didn't want to load it up too much up front. It's actually the sequel to the introduction at the top. But can oh, you tell us it, yeah. about Retro Reviews for some context? Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to. Retro Reviews is a podcast I've been doing for about a year and a half with my friend Ray. The two of us, we basically go back for one movie an episode, and we talk about movies that have come out since 1980, but we don't go back any farther than 10 years. So, no, sorry. That's not right. We go back 10 years ago between 1980 and 10 years ago, that space of time. And uh, basically, uh, we try to focus on movies that we grew up with and we have a connection to. But then uh, in the last couple of episodes, uh, we we actually just recently did one that neither of us had seen yet. So, yeah, we're basically highlighting that period in film history with retro reviews. And, Great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been a, I've been a listener and I think it's cool because it's a guys, you should listen to it, guys and gals. It's neat. It basically it helps us helps us move. It helps us contextualize a certain era of films like for what is now retro for us, meaning people of our ilk and age. Um, I think it's neat to sort of say how does how do they hold up, and then for the younger the younger film goers just to sort of be able to plug in. Okay, well, what what was this? 
you know, it's it's fun to get that perspective. And why we are talking about Poltergeist 2 today and have Peter on for this episode is because I went on Retro Reviews to, to talk Thank about you. the first Poltergeist. You son of a bitch. <laughs> which Tim is a fan of too. We're all really big fans of the first Poltergeist here. And I've never been a guest of anything. <laughs> time, time. This is only second guest we've had on our show, so... Still very special. Very special. Yes, we've only had a couple on our show, too. So, yeah, it's, it's slowed going, but we get there. <laughs> yeah. And, um, well, uh, let's see. I want to watch the tra- Oh, so Tim and Peter, I feel like we got a... So Peter has had some interaction with the show before. We, we audience, take recommendations from you for what to review. Oh. We, hope, we hope you give us some good movies we haven't oh, seen yet. And now Peter was kind. Oh, is, oh, is there? Peter was kind oh. enough to submit a film he wanted to hear us talk about, which Ooh. we don't want to. We don't want to dissuade <clears throat> you from doing. He, episode twenty three, we reviewed Arnold. Oh, you, you son guys, of a bitch! You guys watched Arnold? You motherfucker! Oh, that's so exciting! That's so great! I feel like I just got trolled so hard to watch this movie. Needless to uh, say, Tim and I did too. Um, <laughs> Tim and I did not. Bastard. You bastard! <laughs> I love Troll too. Tim and I did I not Arnold. like Arnold. Uh, <laughs> Peter, I. You know what's funny is actually I forgot we were going to talk about this. In, this is exciting, in hindsight, right? now I think that, like I think upon those memories fondly. Yeah, but in the moment of viewing Arnold, I was so angry. <laughs> I was like, I feel like he just did this to fuck with us. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I so you wa- can wa- you can you argue the case. No, here's the thing. I 100% did not. After I fucking <laughs> <strangle> you. <laughs> okay, I'm gone. I'm gone. <laughs> I ran out the room. Um, Why yeah. Arnold, Peter? Okay, here's the thing. I wasn't intentionally trying to troll you guys. The, this Fair is enough. like 100% the truth. The I'll thing take is, word for it. I <laughs> I saw this movie one time when I was like. <laughs> Eight years old. So you son of a bitch. I saw it when I was eight years old, and you know it's a totally obscure movie. Not like no, not a lot of people have heard about it. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's some people out there with who are fans, but uh, also where where <laughs> like what in what fucking world did you come across this movie as an eight year old? As <gasps> random like, as hell. it is truly as random as it gets. I went to my local <laughs> video store to oh, purchase no. a to purchase a used copy of Back to the Future because I wanted to own Back to the Future and they had a special deal where you could buy one used video and get another one free. And I just thought Arnold looked like a fun, interesting, like just a fun movie. I watched it that night. And never not, again. <laughs> yeah. I Here's the thing. As this, an eight-year-old kid who has not had much exposure to horror movies, this movie disturbed and scared the hell out of me at the time. I was terrified to look in the mirror to put on a suit to put uh, cool cream on my face ever again. <laughs> I was like, it really messed with me. Because um, up till that point, you, that was like a regular night, nightly ritual. All the time. The cool yeah, cream. That, that was yeah. my normal routine. That was the same way. My normal routine. Uh, yeah, I sleep in a suit and I put cool cream on my face uh, every, every night before I go to bed. Oh but God. never again. That's Arnold stopped that That's right fascinating. Like, it's you're probably the only person in this world the movie was effective towards, like, as intended as a horror movie. Uh, you may be right. Yeah, I mean, it's out of the number of people who've seen it, which is not many. All six. So, 
like, right. And I yeah. think it's telling that it was in the for sale bin too. Uh, right. Yeah. The buy, the buy one get, which also kind of, uh, I mean, looking back on it, yeah, I had the the VHS. I had that, and since it scared me so much, I went back the next day and exchanged it for something else. That thing is worth like two hundred dollars on eBay. Holy so shit! Like, I could st- I could have made a nice little bundle right there, but, but you I just still have didn't want it in the house. I did not scary. want it in the house. I didn't want to ever think about it again. It real it genuinely scared. And it was interesting hearing you guys talk about it. I played, you know, I, I played dumb a little earlier, pretending that I didn't know that you guys had seen it. But uh, no, when I listened to the episode, hearing you guys go through the scenes, it's like, yeah, I remember all of that. Like it all stuck in my head. But then the way you were describing it, how it felt like a like a TV movie, like a really cheaply done, crappy Scooby Doo comparison, yeah. which I never would have made until you guys brought One that up. One of the same writers. Yeah, yeah. that was so interesting. So. So it's, yeah, being like a seven, eight year old kid, like not really having that, uh, just that aspect of judging art in a way. I just like, I judged the events and the events mm. scared me, but the, the cheaply made aspect of it, the, like the terrible, uh, camera work and everything that just, that didn't register. That wasn't something I judged. No, of course time, not. So. I mean, it's yeah, the virtue of being a kid and seeing movies. It's all Definitely. just real. Cause it's the context. Well, and also all you have to be given is, you know, a very, very little amount of information. And as a kid, you will fill all the rest of the gaps in. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it didn't matter that it was cheap. Great. Well, that we should move on, but that was a score we had to settle. <laughs> I, and I forgive you. you. No, I mean, and it was, it was super interesting <laughs> hearing you guys talk about it. It's like, I could, maybe you would have said it was amazing. Maybe I really had no idea what the quality of the amazing. movie was. Yeah. So, that's so funny. Yeah. So thank you for pulling that movie out no. of your hat and watching it. Thank and, you. Uh, oh, you're very welcome. Tim I'll never doesn't forget have it. the sincerest uh, look on his face right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm sure you'll never forget How dare it, you. I believe you. So, so folks, if you you have an obscure film you saw when you're eight years old a horror film that you want us to talk about please do as peter did and let us know we'll watch it you'll enjoy it but today we watch and hunt you down <laughs> is that why you wanted me on a, as a guest on the podcast is that why we're, we're oh yeah right i have a present for you it's <laughs> this knife no peter we are here to talk about poltergeist 2 because <gasps> peter and i had an obsession with poltergeist as a kid as kids and uh i mean we all do it's a great 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 mm. film. We totally so, did. Yeah. Poltergeist 2, I hadn't really seen since my kind of early obsession with Poltergeist. <laughs> so I thought, it, I mean, I'm sure we watched Poltergeist 2 and 3 and we're really excited to do so. Yeah, yeah, we, we were. I, I remember the night it happened. So, wait, um, what I, what was our experience watching Poltergeist 2 as kids? <laughs> I, I remember most every aspect about it. It was in the living room of your father's house. Um <laughs> Oh it God. was uh, it, it wasn't just us. We had a friend with us who hates horror movies like more than I did as a kid, like could, just was terrified of any kind of horror movie. And he had not seen Poltergeist one, but we f- sat him down and forced him to watch Poltergeist. You definitely need to say who that is. Is it Joe? Yeah, it's Joe. Okay, oh, okay, all right. Cool, I, got, I got permission. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, it was Joe. Uh, yeah, every even mildly scary moment. He, he he pretty much had his face buried in his blanket and like in like uh, or uh, the pillow or whatever right. the whole time. So, well, what yeah. did we make of it? I remember us immediately saying like, yeah, that's not that was not as good as the first one, but there's there's some fun special effects, some fun creatures here and there. I and, think uh, we'll probably say something similar today. I, I think <laughs> we will. Yeah. Wait, how how old do you think you were? I we were like ten, maybe. I so think, you had yeah. already seen the first the first one you saw together. Yeah. yeah, we watched the first one together. Well, I had seen it. 
a couple of years earlier, but that similar to Arnold, it scared the hell out of me and I didn't want to watch it again. Yeah. But Ryan sort of convinced me to watch it again because I was describing it to him and he's like, I it. really want to see it. I was like, you know what? I'm t- time to face my fears and watch it again. Yeah. And it became one of my favorite movies and both of our favorite movies. So, so in sort of combining retro reviews and dismembering horror, <laughs> we thought it fitting to dismember Poltergeist 2. What is it? How does, does it stand up? Does it got a bad reputation? Well, I don't know. Let's get into it. Let's yeah. watch the trailer for Oh shit. Poltergeist 2: The Other Side. Wow, that makes that movie look <sighs> real scary. <laughs> it certainly does. They're they're back. Yep. That's not that's uh, that's not the line reading that's in the movie. It that's sure isn't. I like that line. Fucking, when that happened, yeah. I I was disappointed. This line yeah. reading was better in the trailer. Yeah, 100%. It was way better. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder Why? if they didn't get the visual, the shot right. And but I don't know why would they uh, why would they use that take? In the, well, I, mean, I guess we'll get into it, won't we? Um, yeah. Uh, cool. Well, so the first thing we do to sort of set the stage, go into um, yeah. Well, setting the stage <laughs> that we are. Yeah, that's right. The stage. Is we rate is it as a rating. Yeah, section. we got to rate this. We this is this is us, folks. This is us telling ourselves: Would we avoid it? Stream it? Rent it or buy it. Hmm. Tim. I'm I'm pretty torn. As a movie, I think it's a stream for me, but like as a there are like enough individual moments and enough sort of brand overlap nostalgia. Mm-hmm. That I, like, I guess I would rent it. Like, if, mm, I don't know. I think I'm a stream, actually. I'm going to stick to a stream. Okay. Yeah. Let's go around the circle here. Peter. <laughs> so when you say stream it, does that mean stream it for free or spend a few dollars? To well, it's it? like how you already pay for a streaming service. It's oh, that that's true. Where you're like, you know, you don't think of how you're paying for Netflix every month, but it's there. Like, it's, you know, that distinguishment between paying, okay, it's not on Netflix, so I'm going to pay four bucks to rent it. Mm, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I am a pretty solid... Uh, I thought it was solid. I'm a pretty solid stream it for mm-hmm. this, particularly if you're a fan of the first Poltergeist. It feels like something that a fan of Poltergeist should see, and because it it checks a lot of boxes that uh, that you would want fulfilled just as a fan of Poltergeist. So if it's there, if it's that readily available, I I see no reason not to watch it. Okay, yeah, but you have hesitations that. As far as making it a full rent? Yeah, yeah, I think because, uh, well, I mean, renting it, you have to leave your house, you have to 
slam no, down. You can just rent it on iTunes. Oh, okay. So stream. Oh, okay. Stream. All right. I'm still picturing video stores. <laughs> I see. There's no trip to the store involved, but that changes your answer. <laughs> well, that it's changes the difference between everything. watching it for pennies and watching it for five bucks. Right. Right. Well, and that yeah. So I'm kind of hovering between stream it and rent it. Uh, yeah, you know, okay, I feel like since it's a it's a definite for me for stream it if it's that readily available. And if you're a big fan of Poltergeist, as I am, sure, rent it. This like, is you talking to yourself, so it sounds is, like you're a rented. Yeah, I guess that does upgrade me to a rented. I feel pre yeah, so solidly if it's streaming, yeah, definitely definitely watch it. But if it's if you're a fan of Poltergeist like me, yeah, rent yeah. it. Go for it. Okay. I don't know. I was kind of going between I mean, I definitely think rent it. But like I got high on this movie, I swear, watching it, it like struck a chord with me. Like, I don't, this is funny. What were you saying to him as a sequel? No, as a sequel to Poltergeist, like as a sequel to Poltergeist, I don't, it, it keeps it lower, like a stream it or a rent it for me. But this like as a movie, that's kind of like, they don't make them anymore. And it has mm -hmm. a lot of really entertaining things in it. And if I don't compare it to the first one, it's like close to a buy it for me. <laughs> Holy shit. But it was, I don't know. There's, I got a lot of everything that was just kind of like whatever for me when I saw it as a kid, I liked it more this time around as far as the actual story. You really? confound me. And if I could actually, <laughs> and again, if I was watching, and that's thinking of it not necessarily as in context with how good the original is or how it sort of, I don't know. I just sort of accept it for how different it, a different route to take. I, I think it's fair. I think the idea of saying if you could not, if you could eliminate your memory of the first one and watch this in isolation, would you be able to walk away being like, yeah, that was pretty fucking solid? Yeah. <laughs> and my personal argument to myself is no. Well, not solid. I wouldn't say go as far as say, as you said, pretty fucking solid, but I'd say uh, indelible and entertaining. Okay. Um, but I think it's, it's a rent is fair, but like an enthusiastic rent, like I'd be excited to sort of watch this with, I don't know. I kind of, I don't want to say as far as fell in love with it. No, but I had a nice affair with this movie this time I watched it. Okay. Yeah. My, my appreciation for the original Poltergeist is almost essential to my appreciation for this movie. <laughs> like I, I need it. It's. It totally feeds off of that. No, that, so it's that, like, yeah, yeah that I, was definitely happening, happening with me too. And I liked a lot of about that also, which is why I also rate it as a rent. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Next. Well, we can get into it. <laughs> Next is the summary. Mm -hmm. This is where, yeah, now, now folks, you get to hear what sort of our takeaway was <laughs> from the story of this. So as briefly as possible, Peter. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> How would you summarize the events of this film? I would summarize it in that <laughs> I'm trying not to look at the corporate aspect of how this movie was made, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to just look at it just on the story alone. Um, okay, monsters who kidnapped, okay, ghosts who kidnapped Carol Ann a few years ago, or is it one year ago? I think the context of the movie says like one, one year, year ago. ago. Yeah. It's, it only separates one year. Even though the actors the are all four years older. How does that, why would, just make it four years? <laughs> yeah. Look, why, why well, would they do Because part of the summary, I think, is uh, one year, or not much time has passed since yeah. the Freeling family it is one has year. been tormented by 
a poltergeist who had kidnapped their daughter. And but now, clearly more than one year. Why? Okay. Um, uh, all right. Well, all right. So one year after these ghosts have kidnapped their daughter, uh, they continue to chase them around and wreak more uh, supernatural havoc in their home. And we get a better idea of who this villain is, who is uh, who is trying to. Uh, yeah, kidnapped poor Carol Ann. We get some of the other side. They're living at uh, the mom's, the, the mom's of the mom's house, grandma's grandma. house. Yeah, grandma's. She passes away. Yeah. Um, I think important to point out is there's the Native American character, right? He's Taylor. There. Yeah, he's sort of a mix of. He's a part of the paranormal investigation. He's a cohort of zelda yes he's the um, new tangina that's right tangina. <laughs> whatever zelda rubenstein yeah. right and there's a lot going on i'd say sort of the through line of the story is that push pull of stephen freeling craig t nelson's character um having a push pull with what taylor is matter of factly presenting just sort of oh it's this other side this is how things work da 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 and even though Stephen Freeling and the rest of the Freelings just went through this crazy experience, he's still being a bit hard-headed as to um, the details and how, how I guess, of this phenomena. Just like Ghostbusters 2, nobody remembers what happens yeah. in the first <laughs> Yeah, he's resistant to still be open-minded about it all, which was kind of something set up about his character in the first one, and it was interesting how it continued in this one. So... That's going on, too. That's kind of the flavoring of it. And it's kind of, I guess, like a child stalker story because you have a creepy <laughs> man in the suit stalking Carol Ann and wants to be let inside. Oh, I think that's all the paint a picture. Yeah. yeah. That's a noble message for them to throw in there is don't talk to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the other aspect, the, the connective thread of the first one to this one is this idea of the beast. In the first one... It sort of, you know, defined this idea of the beast is the thing that is keeping Carol Ann and wants Carol Ann there because she serves a purpose for the beast to keep these spirits that are trapped in limbo from going to the light and like, you know, resolving their limbo status. So the beast is somehow feeding off of that negative energy and using Carol Ann for it. This then takes Kane, this character Kane, and personifies him into the the uh, sort of the the vessel for the beast so the beast being whatever you want to call it because they never really define it but being sort of evil mm -hmm. just pure evil or whatever the concept has put itself into this preacher from what a hundred years ago or something like yeah. that and because that preacher was kind of inherently a piece of shit uh, and crazy or whatever it, it attached to him and so that's it's like double things happening the the preacher being a bad dude got kind of magnetized to the beast and so the beast is feeding off of him so it's like he and then he mass murdered people in a cave by faking an apocalypse and that cave is what their house was built on right. the first one and so you you're kind of stacking things like if the main evil is the beast the next evil is Cain being a piece of shit, but then it's Cain's spirit because Cain's spirit, it's because he's dead. But he then is being deceived by the beast to think that he's not dead. And so he's walking around in real life and he's attaching to Carol Ann and 
trying to sort of pull her into his world for the sake of his preacher maniacal yeah. like end of the world scenario yep and then the freelance got <laughs> and this family gets uh the short end of a stick by having their house on top of that cave. right but it's the reason that moving doesn't matter for them yeah. it's that that sort of through line of badness has attached to Carolan and will follow them. Well, and there's wherever. something kind of set up to and continued in this one of Carolan having some sort of special like life force. Like she's just, she's got the shine. Yeah. She's got the shine. <laughs> they want it. They want it. They're they're What is it? They're drawn to it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Is that something? I think that summarizes think it, it well. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, a good, a good vessel for more crazy hijinks to happen in these people's houses, <laughs> yeah. I guess, um, <laughs> with special effects and everything. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, then, with that, we can move on to our first section, What Worked. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? <laughs> it worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? Well, who well, wants to start? Who wants to start? <laughs> who wants to start? So I'll start talking about. Okay, so I mean, the first one, what makes it so? One of the things that makes it so, 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 so good is that idea of the beast, and it's just that weight of that of that word that it takes on when you have no idea like what it is. You know, it represents a pure evil incarnate. So I feel like this one, yeah, it does get sort of almost rightly so a bad rap that it just completely eschews that you know in a way it's not it's not going to be scary but yeah that's it's, true it's it's issued it's 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 put over yeah. you know what i mean it's 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 well, sort of pushed over onto this other character it's giving it's giving but backstory it's not lost. yeah but like when once i've accepted that though <laughs> that it's just going to be different then it sort of becomes fun in that sort of the horror movie series way of like Okay, what? So then, how do they expand on this? Like, you know, mm -hmm. how do they just take these sort of phrases and ideas from the first one? And what's their kind of fun little take on it? You know, and I thought it was cool because, like, I I don't know. I thought it was neat to approach. Okay, well, then, what is sort of our if we want to get into more what this other side is that was set up in the in the first film? Like, where in our world is that sort of talked about and acknowledged? Like, oh, yeah, Native Americans, matter-of-factly, address, speak of, have a relationship with, quote-unquote, the spirit world. Right. Right? I thought that was neat. And then um, and then Kane is amazing, like, even though he does, I don't know, that basically Kane kind of... Uh, compensated where it was like if you are going to put a face to this creature in a way it's like I can't think of something better I like could, I totally agree yeah and <laughs> that so that just makes it totally different from the first one enough yeah. and then yeah and then the because you wouldn't want you know, it's interesting because you won't want just to totally do again what the first one did but then at the same time it did deliver what we liked about the first one you know it's like elevating objects chasing them people getting thrown across the room um, definitely some stuff that they tried to do that didn't work as well, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a neat combination for me this time around of like continuing the story of the original, just sort of the fun and games aspect, continuing that. And then, yeah, what they did introduce as far as filling out the story world and filling it in more is, uh, I don't know, I thought it was cool. Okay. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I, I am 
appreciative of the fact that they don't just remake the original they remake certain aspects of the original to be sure but they uh but yeah they they bring in the new kane character who's a pretty fantastic addition if i mean if anything's a fantastic addition he is uh so yeah they they find a way to make it you know reasonably advancing with this story which is i mean they do kind of set up for a sequel at the end of the first movie. You could kind of say, okay, so where, what are they going yeah. to do next? They, they're they living in this motel now. It um, sounds like you're leading up to a butt, Peter. And I just want to remind you, we are going to have a what did not work of section. Course, of Don't course, you of course. fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, won't do that. Won't do that. Won't do that. Okay, yes. Um, yes. The acting I really liked in this movie, particularly by Julian Beck, who died like just months after this he didn't get to see the end of this film no yeah like yeah before this can't he uh that's a fantastic presence in in this movie um i liked getting to see the freeling family again getting to see them interact with each other and there's some good natural moments between the uh oh boy both of their names are escaping joe beth williams and craig t nelson whatever steven and diane steven and diane thank you (laughs) um and uh, it was nice to see Tangina again. It's it's nice that most of the cast was brought, but the necessary cast was brought back for this movie. Yeah. Um, sadly, the older sister Dominic Dunn passed away, uh, like just right right after the first movie. Actually. And Will yeah. Sampson as Taylor, the Native yeah. American, like from One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest, mm-hmm. yeah. like he he was a real deal. <laughs> like to put him in a film, I don't know, put him in film. It was great. Yeah, I liked him a lot too. So so yeah that that works for sure and uh I mean yeah well I won't get to what doesn't work um, <laughs> uh, keep me in check here <laughs> uh, and I really enjoyed the um <laughs> uh what happens to poor uh Craig T Nelson when he swallows the worm in the tequila So then um, it's the <laughs> best is, is that our segue scene? to that scene cuz that's oh my god <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's real. Yeah. I mean, to me, that is this movie, right? Yeah. Like, I watched this as a kid probably, I mean, my brother definitely was the one who was like, we got to watch this one now. A- multiple times, too. <laughs> and it was always like, I don't, re- I barely remembered anything else from this movie except for that scene. So the whole time, I like, we're watching, I'm just waiting for that scene. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it fucked me up when i was a kid like it really was one of those like almost run out of the room scenes and it pays off in this like it's shot well it's freaky as fuck like they do this sort of high speed thing where they obviously were using whatever the prosthetic that is hanging from his mouth they just cranked the speed up to give it this very unpleasant unnatural like well like yeah i mean and then also yeah as far as the physical visual of it all that when it gets i mean the, the close-up with the eye opening it's of the favorite, worm yeah. and see him drinking it's it. it's very almost david lynchy it's like the mm-hmm. one piece of this movie that i'm like there's some fucking style in this scene and then once it gets to the torso creature is just my favorite yeah. like the way yeah. his suit looks is that is that uh, that has to be an actor with no legs yeah. right is that it is? i'm almost okay, certain right. yeah. yeah right um oh. yeah the grin it gives yeah, everything oh my god that's, that's probably one of my favorite parts in this film absolutely just that specific torso creature so yeah great effects but but like just um the sort of visuals aside i think why it works so well as an extension of kind of like okay well what can you do in a poltergeist movie poltergeist like it's 
the end of the first one when they come out of like a portal in their ceiling that momentarily appears and they're covered with goo you know <laughs> protoplasmic whatever mm-hmm. goo that it's it's like this movie the thing of the poltergeist is that sort of um in between of the two sides and how there is like a physical element to it in some sense that we just don't understand of like how they connect to each other but that there is this physical element of it so to have like the idea of an evil like it can take a form of a creature and then get birthed out in that like visceral very just kind of body birthy way i don't know that uh, for me is like just one of those um something you can only do in this movie the promise of the premise to it's the best body horror moment in like Certainly in this film. Yeah. yeah. But like in my childhood, it's one of the few that sticks out very prominently. <laughs> that that really freaked uh, freaked poor Joe out. When we <laughs> <laughs> showed that uh, that was probably what really killed. Uh, I, I do distinctly remember the... Right after Craig T. Nelson swallows the worm and he has that uh, that shot where he just got like right into the camera. He's like, God is in his holy temple. It's so oh, good. We we would do that a lot. Like, yeah, we would imitate the, that moment. I think that's what makes it, – it's one of the reasons the scene I think is so effective be, beyond just the visual aspect of it is that you have this whole buildup of Taylor – kind of saying to Steven over and over again, like, what makes a man, like, you need to fucking find your power and be a man and actually take some responsibility and actually, like, get ready for a fight. And so Steven's trajectory at this point is kind of to just say fuck that and and give up just try and, to know, run yeah yeah and he's you know he's he's lost his license as a real estate guy he's selling vacuums door to door he's like mm-hmm. kind of falling apart in the beginning he's like looks like shit as he's like hair is long and he's trying to joke around about it and it's not working mm-hmm. and he like buries his face in the bed at one point yeah so you get this kind of flip of the, the one of our favorite scenes in the first one of them, Joe Beth Williams and Diane and him in bed in the first one, like that's a lot more kind of jovial and fun and, and it has this almost hopefulness of, of like we're in, in it together and we're a family and life is good. So you have this reversal of that. And then you have him kind of going down this darker path, right? Like he's drinking, he's like drinking the entire fucking bottle of mezcal and that, just or getting in that or whatever. depressed state really sets yeah. us up yeah. for it all, yeah. But then having once he swallows the worm, that performance changed because I felt like up until that point, I was a little like lukewarm on everybody's performance. But he suddenly, I mean, that to me, the movie actually kind of starts with that scene. Like it really takes off his performance of switching into the Kane kind of persona and being possessed by Kane and going after Diana and like basically trying to rape her is really fucking intense and powerful and upsetting. And then that fucking thing comes out of him. It's like, (laughs) it's such a good, um, what, what is it? The, the pursuing potent possibilities thing (laughs) because we're seeing a physical manifestation of a very real and very dark thing which is just a person's inner darkness right just the idea of that the person who gets drunk and acts badly and like really fucking badly and that goes to a place of like oh it's not me it's this other thing that concept is really fucking powerful and to see that in this movie (laughs) is fucking actually quite 
cool that they were like, we got to do something, right? Like right. we can't just lean on, oh, it's this external evil that's attacking us. We got to get it inside of us. And so that's smart writing and smart directing to be like, okay, well, what's the theme that we can sort of exploit? We're going to take a theme of, you know, people, their own personal darkness, like whether it be depression or just like being down and out or like the things that you'll do to try and fucking like make ends meet or whatever the thing is. Seeing that manifestation and that change in him and getting a good performance out of Craig T. Nelson and then getting this fucking body horror thing that actually like is the 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 darkness thing coming out of him in a really awful way. Like he's literally vomiting up his inner darkness. Yeah. And that as a fucking concept is so fucking cool to me. And and then weird body horror and weird limbless thing I mean, yes. scurrying away like it, it it totally pays off that whole scene diane's performance or um my my girlfriend joe beth williams's performance <laughs> is awesome all of that and it's moving like she's like this isn't you and she starts saying like i love you while he's fucking on top of her that is fucking it was good, good to see, and, intense shit right to have her be the counter to steven's um uh skepticism towards this sort of everything that uh will Sampson taylor is trying to teach him like she picked up on it oh the power of love we gotta right <laughs> use that to yeah she's it. not dumb which is great like don't make your characters well, super dumb i agree i have that down possessed steven is terrifying and i think not only like in the way you're saying tim of um representing this evil or whatever but specifically the 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 cane beast evil like you see that right. character yeah. coming out in his performance in a way that's just like oh my god he's gotten to this person i like i i i'm glad you mentioned joe beth williams yeah the way she reacts to him is is perfect it's yeah it's like it's heart-wrenching because and because she knows that i think she knows deep down all she has to do is say this like talk to him and like uh, continue to connect with him and he'll snap out of it somehow whatever's going on with him like that's that's her best bet there and and it works and, and yeah, it's a it's a, really it's a bit one. of a slow roll right she doesn't key in on it right away she at first she's just sort of like what are you doing yeah like yeah. what steven like <laughs> cut the shit cut it out but pretty and quick, that, yeah, yeah, you know, know it ramps up to the point where she finally is like whoa 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 and then it is we're like off to the races into this fight and it, like i think it's a really Beyond all the thematic stuff and sort of the the visual stuff, it's a really well paced sequence. So you know, awesome, right? <laughs> it's the moment of the movie. Well, and I think it it comes right after for me the other moment of the movie. I mean, pretty sure it comes pretty much right after of the, the exact midpoint of the film is when Kane arrives at the house and introduces mm. himself. Yeah. And that's just like, what <laughs> a one, two, yeah. <laughs> what a one, two punch. <laughs> like that for me is the other, that's the scene that I remembered as well as the yeah. one we've talked about is just that's his performance all out for us to enjoy for film history. Yeah. <laughs> what's, it's, what's his name? I'm Julian Beck as Reverend yeah. Kane. Yeah. Uh, to watch him and know, I mean, he was well aware that he was not going to be around much longer. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I understand. That's the story. So he was pu putting his heart and soul into this performance. Yeah. It would be like his last, his legacy. So, and, and you can feel it. It's definitely it's, to see it done in a horror film is just kind of, it's, I don't know. It's a neat, I mean, it's horrible. He, he passed away, but just as far as getting that kind of performance rather than 
I don't know that basically to see like like when you see a portrayal of evil done so well, you know, I feel like that's really special in horror movies. And this is like if you're ranking them just on that and characters like that in horror films, like he's he's right up there. You know, no one. He's so unsettling. It's on so many levels. I mean, the like the character is like writing wise, making that character because they could have just said you know, whatever. They could have just said, oh, he was one of the people trapped under there and he was a bad dude. But like this idea of him, what he did to, you know, he's essentially a cult leader. And so adding that and adding this sort of um, theological angle to it is like it's a religious um, extremism sort of thing that, 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 you know, motivated the cult. And yeah. And they were evil reverend and that they were fooled, you know, that they, they sort of bought this thing and it, turned on like just because of his shittiness right and i mean that's done those are all so well like to i mean it's it's creepy like you the idea of him reveling in just knowing his he's deciding the fate of all these people who trust him that's like done so well in those flashback scenes like i love those they're so creepy they're great him like the candid angles and there's something wrong with his face you know and he's just laughing it up as all these his followers are uh well trusting him as i said yeah yeah and from a story point of view too it's really smart to have this idea of like okay we need a bad guy we need a like an evil character like we've established that there's this entity or this force in the first one what can like where do we go that would attract that force and so it's great it's like he's overly prideful he's fucking manipulative he's all these sort of really horrible uh, characteristics of a person and it's like yeah fuck yeah the beast is going to attach itself to that dude yeah so i just think it's a it's a smart writing you know character smartly written character uh yeah yeah and he uh he's charismatic too you just kind of right. you're some you're weirdly drawn to a you're you're terrified but you don't want to look away basically if i if if that guy were in public, I feel like I would have to keep watching him. I wouldn't, <laughs> uh, even though I, it's clear he's up to no good. It's not <laughs> someone who I don't know if I'd run away quite so quick. I want to I want to see where this goes and that uh, and just the way he the way the way Julian Beck plays him is just it's yeah. masterful. It's, That's neat how they extended that that draw as you described to an actual power almost when he's um, hypnotizing Steven basically where he's yeah. going oh, through yeah, that yeah, at yeah, the yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. He's, and it's like the camera gets closer, closer up to him. They're looking through the screen door and like Steven's almost going to let him in just yeah. from that allure that the actor possessed. Yeah. Know? The eyes, the eye just staring down. So, you know, like individual scenes like that. I mean, that could be a short film right there. Mm-hmm. I feel like that scene alone, it could play as a short film and yeah. So, well, that's... the eyes, I think they're the opposite as far as what they're doing of, <laughs> um, as uh, of Taylor's, the Native American's eyes, mm. you see a depth and like a respect and just all the kind of Native American stereotypes, you know? But I mean, it's <laughs> they're true too, you know, as far as, yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they could have, I, was... I mean, it's 1985 when this is filmed. They, they could have easily fallen into some pretty bad traps mm-hmm. and they managed to, you know, tread water. Yeah, not that we're experts, but I mean, I, I you thought know. it was done in a way that's like, this is, I'm pretty sure, well, look, like, they here's would a, do these things. Here's a novice trope. The the, the trope of the, the Native American who, like, can't drink or, or, or gets drunk really easily. Like, that's a really bad and, like, 
gnarly trope that has been in film for a long time, right? And it's been exploited badly. And this film sort of acknowledges it and then switches it over and puts it on Steven. And I think that's smart you know taylor the avoided one a trap calling i was aware of that trope i'll be honest oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. taylor's the one he's calling over butterflies like that's right not drinking right. yeah you know and maybe that you know can you could take offense to that that it's it's exploitative in a way but but like i was eh. so maybe if it was but i was so into the scenes of like the um the opening of the, in the desert setting and that beautiful area where it's like, oh, this feels like an epic, holy place mm-hmm. out in Arizona, somewhere yeah. those rocks. And then like, you know, as a setup for the film and then the the smoke ceremony scene with Steven. I loved all that just as like, I don't know, as, as the scene in itself. And then I've kind of already mentioned, but wanted to say again or say more about was just the whole Taylor versus Steven, I don't know, thing. In this in this film, you know, of uh, Taylor has this sort of calm knowing about him. And like you said, Tim, he's really encouraging. No, Stephen, you can't run from these things. This is mm-hmm. a battle you have to fight. And so like Stephen, you know, he's in the they're there in the smoke ceremony. He's kind of like laughing it off or whatever, whatever. Um, and then it gets real. Yeah. And, and you know, Stephen's sort of like, oh, shh. Shit, I'm being kind of an asshole, it and that of, shit was real. And hmm. it's a really fun character change to see Steven go through too. Yeah, I mean, there's another good moment too in the in the, uh, the to that point of when one of my favorite the thing another body horror thing that I love is when when Robbie's braces attack him. <laughs> I I remember as a kid, fucking that really freaked me out too for some reason. Maybe I just don't like mouth shit, but like that scene was awesome, and. Stephen runs down afterwards and, and, and Taylor is, is holding Carol Ann and he's like, where the fuck were you, dude? And he's like, I was here where you should protecting yeah. Carol Ann, <laughs> you know, and he's super calm. And it's like, there's, it's, they're really good counterpoints yeah, to each other. Exactly. That's I think what's working the most about those two characters. Yeah, yeah. I I won't say anything more about the, the racist <laughs> scene. Um, but, uh, well, uh, okay. What else do you got, uh, Peter? My one of my favorite parts of the movie isn't scary at all. Well, it's a little bit scary. Um, it it's more comedy than <laughs> frightening. But it uh, about seven or eight years ago when I rewatched this movie and hadn't seen it for a long time, I had no memory of this, and it made me laugh harder than most anything I had seen maybe that whole year. Can I take and, a guess? Yeah, take a guess. Is it the cahoots line? No. Okay. No. (laughs) It's the scene where Diane is alone in the house and hears a knock on the door and then goes up to it, looks through the people, sees nobody, walks away. There's another (laughs) knock on the door. It's the most ominous music. She opens the door. Still nothing there. Then you hear, hi. (laughs) I just fell out of my chair when I watched that. It's like a short person joke. It's so obvious watching it this time. Like, oh yeah, it's in Gina. Like, even though I didn't remember, I'm like, duh. It didn't. I I just thought it was just a I had totally forgotten it too. (laughs) And you know, something I didn't notice until this viewing oh there's actually like the camera out shows outside like it's from a low level from her perspective mm-hmm. walking oh, that's up to right the yeah and i yeah <laughs> I, just, I just think that's <laughs> just, I mean, cam. you're yeah with all these uh you know bait and switch scares that like it's gonna be something scary it turns out to be something that's not scary. i just thought that was a really clever way of doing that and 
watching it this time since I totally remembered it from like eight years ago. It didn't have the same effect, but it really got me this time. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I liked that, and I mean there are a lot of moments of humor that more or less well, work. Do you remember here, the one so. that I just mentioned? Where I don't think I do. Oh my god! Was, yeah, I forget the exact line, but it was. Um, uh, 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 Stevens accusing Taylor of well he says are you in cahoots with each other you know him and Reverend Kane and Taylor just very calmly says something like I don't cahoot with anybody yes that was it oh. thank you Tim <laughs> I don't cahoot yeah he's with... like it's real convenient that you know all this stuff starts happening and you show up on our door <laughs> you in cahoots with whatever he's like, I don't cahoot with anyone yeah thank you Tim <laughs> so glad you remember but I just so much it's funny <laughs> don't cahoot with anyone the car stuff is funny too i was gonna say i liked the car stuff that a whole lot. thing i find it odd mm -hmm. it's a weird line peter doesn't like it <laughs> I don't, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's it's cool because i think it's sort of indicative of like getting i don't know i think steven's core character and he's representative of a lot of people kind of see in the world we've talked about the kind of character i mean real person type that um, the guy in, I mean, I mean the the, the sheriff in Stranger Things, but we've sure. run across other yeah. We kind like of him. we dance around like, what do you call that guy? It, it, it's generally, the, it's called like an everyman, but like, no, what no, the fuck no, does no. that mean? Okay, not it's, the everyman. Not it's, I, I it's don't the the uh, face forward. Yes, run strong. Yeah, run at the thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sort of quick to make decisions, kind of thing. Well, I think people like that characters, real life. They're sort of. Their their biggest I guess <laughs> character journey to put it in uh in screenwriting terms movie terms is being able just to, to trust I think it's coming mm -hmm. coming down to kind of a, a trust issue thing of right. like well you know just being just learning to be able to let go just to sort of not having control or not knowing whatever um, so I love the car thing just felt like the perfect kind of test on Taylor's part just to kind of be messing with Steven mm -hmm. of like, uh, especially, you know, and then getting to the point at the end, like, well, give me the car. And it's like, you know, he could be kind. He just wants a car or whatever, but that's beside the point. Steven just has to be able to be the kind of person it may not always be the case for everyone, but really for him, he needs to learn how to just be able to say, take the keys. Right. I don't right. Know. Right. Yeah. I'm going to stop. Yeah, I mean, it, you. it's a, it's yeah, it's a through line sort of metaphor. Yeah. But I think it just Control. works so well for his character yeah. specifically. And I, this, he's probably the kind of person that, um, that, uh, that Craig T. Nelson actually is, you know, not, not too far off from his, uh, Mr. Incredible role. <laughs> you know, I guess, yeah. Or his parent is his parenthood role. Any, uh, Oh, it's very similar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, probably closer than the incredible role. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess you've kind of swayed me in the car, <laughs> the car direction. I, I yeah, it, it felt, a yeah, yeah, it, it's good. I, I see where you're coming from there. <laughs> There's more to be said. Okay. Good. There's a <laughs> lot of, a lot of times there are things in what worked that I also have. Yeah. What did not work. Yeah. I've, I've noticed you pull that, pull that trick every yep. now and then. It's nicely done. I can't wait to see what happens with this one. Um, <laughs> How about some more just specific effects moment like things in it like i got it we highlight the torcho torso creature so far and away the best oh I yeah think. the worm I mean, creature I, I actually think for eeriness and sort of setting 
eeriness or the tone tonal eeriness thing the the bedroom the early bedroom scene with the phone thing and the toys is it, that that i really really like the feel of yeah um i almost i think the reason they don't do more with it is because it's a little derivative of the first one but i like the the vibe that the phone that thing has, specifically yeah. too. You, yeah, I like that. I think that was a good example of like something that was just kind of a fleeting, almost nothing moment in the first one. Daddy, it's for you. Or yeah, dad, what's mm-hmm. the line? It's true. It's probably the same. You tell him to take a message, sweet bee. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I didn't even put the phone together from that, it, that scene. Yeah, it feels scene. like if someone, you know, was young and just like saw both of these movies, they just sort of conflate it as like, oh yeah, you talk on the phone to the other side kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what if in the first movie, Carol Ann was all already hearing actual voices that's in that what phone that, i d- i yeah. never that never occurred to me <laughs> cool all right, nice. yeah. a fun little right. yeah i don't know she's clairvoyant yeah, yeah. so i like that the phone right. thing too um i mean yeah i was gonna say effects but you got me onto setting um the house itself like the the so interior good. as far as like having character like yeah. the first one did i thought it was pretty on par like that that staircase that is that that it is yeah it's it, not the same kind of really grand staircase well you know what it feels one, more but... like it feels like the paranormal activity houses it's oh, got a little yeah. more of that era and that architecture yeah um the layers going and everything. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's different i mean it's whole, arizona it's... the whole thing kind of feels like you're in a den almost you know yeah yeah exactly um but something about this that that staircase and the it was just claustrophobic enough that you almost don't really see when it's a set that's built you know mm-hmm because they're like, oh, I need more room, more room. There's there's a couple very odd constructions of that house. Like the levels are a little there there's there's yeah. kind of within, you know, one story, there's a couple extra levels. There's like a sunken room and then like there's that staircase that's going you have to go around a corner to get into the hallway. But through that hallway, you can see down into the living room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got carpeted stairs, which is one of my favorite things on the planet. <laughs> um, you know, so, yeah, there's there's a it's claustrophobic and confusing in a way. I think that's adding to that feel of like it's just like an Escher painting yeah. or something that you're just sort of like, wait, which direction am I going and in it, and how do I get around there? And are they trapped or like, what's yeah, going on? Yeah. And it on? works really well as the grandma's house too. Like just something right. about her essence being there after she passes away. Um, mm-hmm. it works. The Browns in the arc, in the, yeah. the arc that really, I always associate that with older people. My grandparents yeah. had a house like that. So <laughs> the flowers yeah. outside yeah. too. Yeah. 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 All that. Do you, do you happen to know if this – so this was shot on sets or was it the, in the I actual don't, house? I don't actually know I just assumed because it was a house. good budgeted film. So I just assumed it was the set. I mean, yeah, yeah because yeah. no, they were they were working with all those effects and stuff on the side. So they probably yeah, built probably, yeah. all the inter- interiors are probably built. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What, that... did, did you like the, the grandma's story and her passing away at the beginning? <laughs> Nope. Hold in a song. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I remember when we, yeah, okay. I, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll I, get there. So <laughs> if, okay, imagine, you know, we talked about like the state you were in, Peter, when you watched Arnold being a very <laughs> accepting at face value kid. Yeah. And it working for you. I just gave the movie that when I watched it this time. And that's a good way to watch movie. I mean, yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> I'm granted, I normally can't, but for some reason it's... I was able to. I think it was just because I don't know. I just I liked 
if like you can cast I mean, if you can get into that headspace that's that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> considering like that all we're doing is like gearing towards fucking picking shit apart <laughs> if you can sit down and watch a movie and just like watch a movie Fuck, dude. I thought <laughs> Good the relationship <laughs> between the grandmother and her daughter and her grandkids was sweet. I'll, I'll okay. say, I mean, I sure. was much more accepting of all of this because it was a Poltergeist sequel and I had that mm. that affection for the first movie. It was like, okay, I want to see what these characters are continuing to do, yeah. regardless of how the storytelling really I is. I liked so. uh, the mom as sort of the maternal equivalent to what Taylor was doing. I, I, you mean the grandma? The grandma, yeah, yeah. Joe Beth's mom? Yeah, Joe Beth's mom. Kind of this more, yeah, yeah. as I said, maternal figure, but kind of a, a knowing mm-hmm. presence. Yeah, there's sort of a, like, she's, I mean, because she's clairvoyant, she's sort of, right, in, in, a, in a way that, that Taylor's character is linked to spirituality, she also has some of that, you know, and it's it's coming across. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay, as yeah. brief as it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, okay. I mentioned the effects earlier, but to follow through with that, the, um, yeah, there's, I mean, I'll also mention this in the, what did not work scene, but the end scene where they're in the other side, there's the moment where there's a transformation that Carol Ann goes through where it's like, she gives off a sort of reverbery scream and her face turns into like zombie. Oh fuck. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. I thought the effects on that were great. And what are those moments where again, it's like, it didn't seem out of place yet was still surprising, like and effective, you know, is one of the better, I think sort of moments in that sequence. Do you remember that one, Peter? I, I, yeah, I remember. That's a good moment in that, in that, (laughs) that's a good moment there. (laughs) And as far, okay. Uh, As, and also just as far as how the other side looks like, yeah, we're looking at it in full. Okay, to now Tim's making a face. Reminds me of the Frighteners a little bit. Uh, (laughs) The Frighteners? Reminds me of Never Ending Story. So, yeah. (laughs) yeah, so that, exactly, that kind of. 80s aesthetic of like even in the explorers i remember some Mm. of that where it's just like this sort of simulated cloud effect like i tried to imagine when we were watching the same effect yeah (laughs) well (laughs) watching it on the the nice same file watching it on the nice blu-ray the scream factory blu-ray i just tried to imagine being in theaters and watching that scene Mm. just imagine just sort of it's also cloud city yeah Mm. they put it out in 70 millimeter that would have been pretty yeah Yeah. but just just the scope of that i don't know just I liked being in that place. Like, I would rather have the other side look how it did in this versus some CG-laden thing. Like, mm. it still had that other dimensional quality to me that the effects that just happened to me, you know, not just happened to be, but the effects at this time really lent itself to. That's interesting. I mean, I, I really, really like the lead up to them getting into the other side when they're actually down underneath the in the caves like that whole sequence to me, I, I'm personally like fairly claustrophobic. So the idea of being in caves and like underground and shit like that. And there's like, like Steven just jumps into the water at one point. Yeah. I'm like, you fucking, there's no way you get me to just get into water. <laughs> I like loved that. it. Once they actually, once they snapped into Diane and Carol Ann into the other side, it was just this crazy like close up of Kane and some magic thing happened. And there was like a what? And Tim, I remember you just were like, whoa, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> yeah, they disappeared like fucking why? 
Like they just fucking like suddenly were on the other side. It's just like, oh, I found a portal. Bye. I loved the the, the fire being um, oh, the, the, the portal the, between. Yeah, that, that was another cool. good example of like um, the uh, the the importance of sort of allowing trust. Like, oh, I'm going to stick my arm in this yeah. fire. And like, yeah, you got to do it, and it works. And and so the, the messages are there. Yes, yes. So I'm glad the messages <laughs> are there. <laughs> well, and yeah, it's. I mean, again, it's sort of like it's it's smart writing that they have Stephen going through the portal. Like he has to be the one to jump in this time, whereas mm-hmm. Diane did it in the last movie. Mm-hmm. So like little things like that, I think, are smart and working. But I, I think we. You have anything else? Here? Just the fact that it had more Tangina, more Zelda Rubenstein. I <laughs> Was don't there care. more Tangina? You mean just any? She's just in, in, it. in it. Oh, okay. I th- it's I the fact that we had her in another movie, that yeah, yeah. character, yeah. that actor playing that character, kind of like what we already said about the Freelings. Yeah. Like sure. great, more Tangina. Peter, that that moment wouldn't exist. <laughs> <It was laughs> That's true. On the door. That ingenious <laughs> comedic horror moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tangina and Carol Ann are the only two. They're the only two actors are in all three all yeah, yeah. Um, I do have one last thing but uh, I wanted to end with it do you guys have anything else before that nope what worked uh, no I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so we already kind of mentioned it though but just as a transition the fleeting moments in I thought it was really interesting that they have pretty much duplicating like like beat beat for beat where it is in the film that couple scene i want to mm-hmm. call it we know the famous couple mm-hmm. scene from the first one of just diane and steven together and it was they were like okay now we let's just do that again so uh what worked for me in that there was just fleeting moments in it that i thought were really cool just to see them the actors letting them do their thing again and then side note i thought that was something else i liked in this movie that was the way it was shot in a lot of times of just that same widescreen syndrome mm-hmm. just letting the actors do their thing being able to take it in there's some good moments in the couple scene of that it's like hey you know what we, we get it again and it's cool all right <laughs> what did not work it's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. You're gonna do it, aren't you? I'm gonna do it. You so, <laughs> I can't wait to see how he, yes. how he does it. All right, yeah. So that same scene, the couple scene in Poltergeist <laughs> too. I did not. What did not work? There was an. A, there was a pervasive awkwardness of seeing them try to capture the magic again yeah mm-hmm. i felt <laughs> i mean i think that there's the 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 attempt to do the beat by beat kind of matching is just handcuffing the movie yep. in so fucking many ways like don't what why like who's sitting there going oh yeah 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 remember on page 12 of the first script this happened so so better happen in this it's <laughs> what are you talking about like, yeah, in general, sure, like broadly speaking, you want to kind of keep to an, a structure that is universally effective. But to try and do like repeat scenes, that's fucking crazy. 
they they didn't have Steven Spielberg this time around or Toby Hooper, right. so they didn't really know what to do. It was like, okay, the first one was a big hit. We got to make God. make it again. Let's just do what they did again. That's what they're. That's the strategy so, of so many sequels. Yeah, but as and, a concept, that that blows my fucking mind. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just to, yeah. Oh well, what worked is yeah. They just took the most surface level things about like what they thought was making it work. Well, this is okay. This is. Maybe I had in things of note, but I think it's applicable to if we just get to like the acting in this as far as like look at Robbie as a representative of there are real natural moments in the first one that made his performance work. This one, not so much. I think Carol Ann as well. Yeah. Like yeah. she Ditto, the feels kid, totally. like she's tr- both of the kids feel like they are either being coached to do line readings like from the no, first one. I can one. tell you what it was oh really yeah oh, okay, the, the, what i was gonna say robbie the actor appeared in this featurette in the second oh, right. one yeah. he described that um that toby hooper steven spielberg their advice to him and the kids everyone you know on set with kids dulce alone was like all right you know make it just just be yourselves too. Mm-hmm. be natural about it they can say the lines however you want be in the moment you know follow your attention just all that stuff that style of acting and he says well this director God, what's his name? I Brian forget. Gibson. Brian Gibson. He said he had a very specific vision for everything. Oh, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> coached through. And um, Robbie was very appreciative of Joe Beth Williams for helping for helping uh, him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like um, it's the difference between Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone and Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone 2. In the second one, he's not bad, but he feels a little bit... You know, I don't want to downplay training or, or but it feels so much more calculated and same with mm. this. Like so much of what they're doing it feels calculated. You don't feel like you're really watching kids. Carol Ann has some really just cruel lined reading, readings that she has. Like yeah. when she's like looking uh, when she's talking to her grandmother, it doesn't feel at all like a grandmother grandchild relationship. Mm, He's, no. She's just being coached to say like things in as sweet a way as possible, but not who she really is. Yeah, maybe uh, they're trying to convince people she's only a year older when she's actually four years older. <laughs> maybe that's messing with her head right there. But uh, it, uh, yeah, it's just. And when she's talking on the phone to her grandmother, or you know, in the fake phone that. Mm. That could have been such a touching moment if they had just, I don't know, maybe just let her do her thing yeah. a little better or just or directed her better. But it doesn't feel like she's actually hearing anybody. It feels like she she knows the camera's there. She knows the director's there. She's just doing it the way they've told her to do Same it. Same with no yeah, their back, which was supposed to be the key yeah, what line. The it just felt like, uh... <laughs> yeah, I... It, it's right there on the poster they're back to um the line itself uh, isn't bad like we heard the reading and the trailer sounded good did it sound i don't know if i like that either because it just feels like it's entirely mimicking the way it was said in the first movie and you know it doesn't uh they they got for the trailer to get people to see the movie they're mimicking (laughs) it exactly but in this it's it's a little different she's just kind of looks up and says they're back but there's no reason for her to say that they're back (laughs) there's no reason for her to say that at that moment what child would say the words they're back after what just happened to them caroline freeling well even like let's just assume like just that that in that moment that she's realizing that this whole shit is going to happen again right that this trauma of the a year ago the line reading 
both in the trailer and what she does in the movie, does not evoke in any way how somebody would be like, oh, fuck, like, shit, they're, like, this is going to happen again. Like, there's nothing underneath it. It's just a line reading. And that's yeah. really upsetting because, like, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like somebody's off camera being like, no, 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 no. remember the way you did it that other time? Like, just, it's like, remember it sounded like this. Yeah. Do it that, remember, because you did it that way. It's like, uh, with the conversation with the grandma, it's um, when she, I, I can't remember if it's the yarn part or if it's later, but she's saying uh huh and uh uh-uh uh again, mm-hmm. and that was sort of a big moment in when uh, Diane is asking her in the first one, like, do you see them? And she's like, uh uh-uh, uh, did you do this? Uh uh-uh. uh, you know, like, right. is it the TV people? Uh huh. And there's something really endearing and and creepy and kind of cool about it in the yeah. first one but they're trying to have her do that again literally mm-hmm. like well, I think exactly what, that and that's just like i mean it's what it's, the fuck? it's yeah. obviously not good, but it's, it's forced but i think a big reason is because of the the age difference in in her and the actress and the character at the time yeah like they're they're here and uh-huh uh-uh is so it's it, it works because of the age that she's at, but we've already seen she's right, grown. Right. She's a lot more intelligent. Like she wouldn't speak that way. Right. She's well, clearly per- not six. Yeah, I mean, she's yeah. Like, so don't do don't right. like have her say what she would say as a kid, as opposed to being like, oh, so the line from the first one is this. So do that line again. Like that's fucking dumb, and it's fucking lazy writing. I'm sorry. Right. Like it's just super lazy. Like why dialogue like. Do something with the fucking dialogue. She's not in Arrested Development, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, come on, guys. It's a, I mean, I know that storytelling-wise, they really wanted it to just be a year later. That seems to be the case here. But when you have kids, when it's that apparent that they're that much older, just make it four years later and deal with it. Just find a way around it. Find Split a way to deal with it. Split the fucking difference, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, <laughs> even so, like, you could get away with it, but, like, have... I mean, look, it's another movie. It's a new movie. Why don't we want to see how those kids have been affected and changed in those couple years? Like, make them have character development within the time that we haven't seen them. Right, like, just do something them to like be the same. What is exactly. it? That's a go crazy idea. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> similar moments with Robbie too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he even says, uh, "Carol Ann," the na- like the way he's like, "Carol Ann, Carol Ann," yeah. like he is doing the same thing and his vo- it doesn't work with his yeah. older voice so yeah. it's just like it's not working it's why would you voice. fucking do it his like, voice has totally deepened yeah. it's, it sounds like, so, like a preteen now yeah yeah it's like as a director why why would you be why would you screenwriter in yourself? this case too I think yeah Train I mean of- they're all it's well and you know and the screen the screenwriters are the producers so i think between the two producers who are the writers as well and the director they're probably all just being like yeah 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 redo redo the thing that's a bummer yeah (laughs) that is a bummer uh you guys got the the score is kind of a bummer too um it's jerry goldsmith and he's just doing it jerry goldsmith who is he had the most brilliant score in the first movie here he will occasionally repeat the music from the first movie, but it sounds like this weird synthesizer kind of like it's really? there. It, I mean, that's what it sounded like to me. It didn't sound nearly as good and anything new that he created nowhere near as memorable at all. It just found yeah. it sounded like the most generic nonsense. I, mean, I was shocked to see that it was Jerry Goldsmith mm. again. It sounded like just 
some guy who they hired to imitate Jerry Goldsmith Weird at best. Budgetary concern. I don't know. I I mean, I agree. There were no new good themes or anything, but I just got excited and thought it was effective when they used the old themes. Like I, uh, I didn't like them enough to mention it and what worked the music, obviously, but it, <laughs> I didn't think it was not working. Oh, I was so bummed out when I heard the way the old score sounded in this movie. That was I had forgotten there was the old. I had no memory of it until this view. I was like, oh, they really did use the old score here, and it sounds awful. I, well, like, okay, I don't, I, when he's walking, I guess up, he didn't have the same. Wah, 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 the deep, deep <laughs> or whatever. It just sounds like I don't want to mess with your music rights issues here, but um, uh, it, it, don't it, worry. it sounds like it's being played on like a keyboard. Or so yeah, it's, that was that was upsetting. I wish they could have found. I know it's a really tragic circumstance, and maybe there was no tasteful way to do it at the time. But the fact that they don't address the fact that the big sister isn't around anymore, yeah. mm-hmm. they don't have any kind. But. I mean, it's like Heath Ledger, The Dark Knight. They didn't want to like reference the Joker. I, I suppose well, I get. I'll what bring it up at. now as a, right. a thing of note. But um, yeah, that they actually did have a scene where they were going to show her away at college. Oh, and hmm. then that she wasn't. But but then I'm like, well, why not just have her off? Like you only see the one side of the phone call. Like like what you said, Peter. Mm-hmm. Like I say, yeah. Why not just no no what you're saying? Like I agree. Like why yeah. not? Even though she couldn't be in it, why not just have them be on the phone with her in college and just acknowledge it that way? Yeah. I mean, you want to get real sort of like i don't know i don't know if you call it dark or maybe it's inappropriate but like just have diane on the phone saying i miss you mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like it would i to, personally i would be like it's a that's a a tasteful nod to the fact that she's not there anymore. yeah you know and like you don't you need to hear do her say anything more no. it's just a voice over her phone no. and joe beth's like i miss you too honey or whatever yeah love you miss you yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would be touched by that if that were in the movie. Yeah. Well, okay. There were things when the, when I was listening, what worked, Peter, that sounded like you wanted to continue. <laughs> yeah, and I think we need to start hitting those. Yeah, let's hit the cars. Yeah. The car stuff. <laughs> no, I think I came around with the car stuff. I it just felt I. Well, it just felt too on the nose okay. a little too. The yeah. grandma then. The grandma. Well, I mean, we, I kind of addressed that as well. The uh, well, not not totally, but the interaction that she had with Caroline oh, yeah. just felt so unnatural and just so forced. I mean, it would, if you have if you're introducing this new character of the grandma, you need to give her some kind of history or some kind of like have her settle in in a way. Instead, she just kind of jumps in. She's there for like two scenes and then she dies. And there's just no I. I don't feel any real emotional connection there because she wasn't in the first movie. I don't know who I like she is. The I don't. Of her and Joe Beth. I don't know. I. I mean, there wasn't much there, and then the There's, flashback mm. that she has in the garden. I. I mean, I. I like it in principle. I like the idea of it, but it's filmed in just such a, such a cheesy hallmarky yes. way that just does not fit even with this movie, which is not shy about being sentimental at all. But even here, like that was just so over the top. I felt and. Uh, uh, but I mean, yeah, same thing. If I had known who the grandma was, if I had any kind of real emotional investment with her, then I probably could have forgiven it. But still, it's like it's just forcing you to feel <laughs> this like this memory that uh, that Joe Beth Williams is having out there. And it just feels so manipulative in that sense. I'm guessing so. you two didn't like when she saved the day at the end uh, of the side. <laughs> with like, uh. I that just made <laughs> that made me so mad. It's not a solve. 
That's that's a fucking like Deus. What's the Deus um, Ex Machina? Yeah, it's yeah. a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. It's it's if you had woven her in somehow and really felt an understanding of I think a key plot point that they do not lean in on that none of the stuff in the house starts happening until she dies. Like she is keeping it at bay, and like we don't have any inkling of that. There's nothing to suggest that. That's sort of a as you afterwards have watched the whole movie and you kind of go, oh, oh, right. That's the moment when stuff starts going badly is when she dies. So why didn't we get, nobody says anything about it. Mm -hmm. You could have had Taylor say something about it. Like I'm here because we know that this just happened and, and because I have a connection to the spirit world and I know she did. Like we knew even in some place like subconsciously we knew or I'm here because I felt the release of a protector from the house. That's why I'm here. Like yeah. anything of that realm to suggest would have given us enough to understand when she comes back in on the other side in the end of like, oh, fuck, she's not totally gone. She's still been there or like sprinkle it in throughout. I think there's one there's one scene Right, where Carol Ann says grandma says she loves you or something yeah. like that. But it's, oh, oh, it's like the moment she's dead, right? And it's right? set up right. that she's a so, clairvoyant or spiritual person has access to the other side. So, like, you could have sprinkled in some sort of little, like, rule, to, so to speak, of as far as presence on the other something, side. Something, yeah. please. Like, or, like, just drop her in when things are getting really bad in sort of the end of the second act. Mm -hmm. Drop her in in some way to... Kind of like an Obi-Wan way where it's like he's he's run, just Luke, sort of run. there like giving a little bit of encouragement and you go, oh, he's not gone. He's not mm -hmm. totally gone. Like, yeah, he's dead and that sucks, but he's not gone, gone. Yeah. If you had done that, her coming back in the end maybe wouldn't have felt so fucking lame. <laughs> but it's also just like, God, like that's not have you need your characters to solve the problem. Yeah. Like your lead characters. If it's Steven's story. Which it feels mostly like Steven's story. Hmm, I guess so, yeah. Have something. He, dude, he fucking is. I, wait, is it him who, who lets go of Carol Ann? It's like they're all fucking clinging to each yeah. other, floating around, and then like he lets go. What do you. What? <laughs> <laughs> I liked, well, they had to stab it with a spear. They did that on their own. I like that. Yeah, and we also didn't mention it was cool, the the multi-face tier. I hate it. I hate it. It's Wait, so what? derivative to me of the thing. Let's talk about that in Things of Note, that feature, <laughs> that visual. Anyway, but they... I, it, oh, it, I'll, I, can I at least say that yeah, it, the, say that it. creature post-limbless uh, scurry <laughs> away thing, I fucking hate. The, oh, the torso thing that Af I liked? After the torso. Oh, oh. It, it becomes this big sort of oh, with all the faces with the, oh. with the faces in the fucking it's got like medusa hair right. it's like it's just like a foot yeah like it's a big fucking leg at yep. one point it's just i think it's a shit design it means nothing it's not connected to anything it doesn't it's not like i feel like it's kane it doesn't feel like it's the beast head that came out of the fucking closet in the first one or even the i'll tell you all the about thing. that and things of note but <laughs> i think that it goes way it too sucks. far like, i think yeah. it, and then they're floating around in yeah. fucking the sky with it and it's lit fucking terribly <laughs> that's because sick. that's why i was gonna say how, <sighs> how it was lit was what killed it for me that sucks <laughs> uh yeah i only remember that scene as the torso thing crawling around. I never remember what happens. Out well, like how that. it was lit and how much you yeah. see too. It's like, yeah, it's so, you... super limited and it's, it's in the other side when they're floating around in the end, 
it is the thing that's trying it grabs Carol Ann and like yeah. essentially kills her, I that guess. That they refer to it's as that is the beast. So know? that's I mean, it's mm, it's a fucking it's okay. not connected. How that's about, my problem with it. Peter, when I was going on about this the overall story stuff and you were agreeing it but had some butts to it, what about what about all that? You know, I kind of want to save that to things of note as well, okay. in a way. I mean, I, I if I'm if I'm entirely clear on what you're... Yeah. Um, Meaning, okay, so nothing in the overall story did not work for you. The overall story... I, okay, it's there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's there. But I, <laughs> I do want to bring something up. And, yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Um, More noteworthy rather than something that we were adverse to. Yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what else you got? The braces scene really bothers me. Um, oh. I, I don't... <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit, I mean, it, not a little bit, it's it's entirely repetitive of the, you know, or derivative the clown, of yeah. the, uh, or, yeah, the tree outside the, you're, I mean, no it, doubt. It comes yeah. right at the same fucking like minute mark. Yeah. Distracting with Robbie. Yeah. Right. It's, yes. it's the same. And it just feels like a little bit too over the top and trying to gross us out instead of scaring us. I mean, the, the mm. tree scene was like genuinely tapped into these like primal fears I had as a kid. Whereas the braces scene, just like how, how disgusting can yeah. we make it? I just found it so upsetting. And then he ends up on the ceiling. Like you like, just, I hated my braces, but like, not because I thought they were going to come alive. Like right. <laughs> I never got to that point. I mean, I never really thought a tree would come alive too, but it was but it something that presence. I look at. Yeah. yeah. Like it's an ominous presence out there. Like there are shadows. There could be like hidden faces in there that were creepy. Yeah. Like, but well, braces, it just feels. It was a line like, for me, the braces. Cause I thought it was kind of cool when they initially come out. But then there's just something so silly when it's just in mass and you see it in full and he's on the ceiling and it's just the little eye sticking out. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's where it did kind of lose me. That's kind of what they do with the torso creature. They just take it way too far mm -hmm. after, like, after they... Not the torso creature. I like right, right, torso. Sorry, yeah, torso the... is the one, the, the, the limbless guy crawling around. That's right, why just, when I say torso yeah. creature. Right. But the beast in the beast. its full. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, even... I think the, the ending of that braces scene is... Dumb. It, it doesn't actually make sense either. Like the the wires are reaching for the outlet and Diane's like, the outlet. And she like grabs it and then it like sparks anyway and they all go blowing back and it's like. And it's not there anymore. Yeah, and it's not. So it's like, well, what the fuck was the. <laughs> What were we in danger or not right. in danger? And like the what's tree, happening? he was. We see him getting eaten by it, so we have to get him out of it. And then there was a tornado, and then they do. so that's how it went away. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. they don't really answer those baseline like as crazy as they are. Hows? <laughs> well, look, I think ultimately a big part of what we're talking about is if you're going to try to sort of match one for one scenes. You better make your version fucking like up the ante, make them better and have them be well fucking constructed Dude, that, and written out. That's kind of like a built in. Yeah. Expectation or like yeah, you better do it. And they were hacky as fuck with a lot of those scenes mm -hmm. like where they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that scene. So just do this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what? No. Fuck. Come on. I feel like in their heads, they may have thought that they were doing what you're saying. You, I th you like, could be. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, but they're they're leaning towards disgusting the audience instead of mm -hmm. frightening the audience which is i feel way easier to do and that's that i think the braces scene is a good sure. example of that they're yeah they aren't really they say okay how can we make someone more like repelled by this instead of more like uh creeped out and frightened by this yeah that's interesting 
or that was just that like the happenstance of whatever random thing that they just got an idea for and, it's like and braces they just one ran with that's kind of how it feels to be that might be true actually yeah uh, the um this sort of to me is is along the same lines the when they're running out of the house and they get to the car they can't find caroline that she get she's in the car she hid there blah 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 grandma told her it was a safe place blah blah that whole sequence with the fucking um chainsaw I just it it made me kind of think to myself like what are we talking about like what's what's the core purpose or like conceit of the poltergeist it's movies powers right and... so like w- <laughs> I have a problem with this idea of if if there's an entity that's powerful enough to you know slam doors or like create these visions or like have you know, I don't know what's a, what else like shoot Steven across the room because it electrocutes him when he sits down in a chair because he's mad or like canes in the chair and like right. he gets propelled across the room. It's powerful enough to do that. But it, it, if, if it can do that, then it should also be able to make that chainsaw not be so shitty. You know what I mean? It's like the chainsaw is like tip tapping away at like certain pieces. It's like, dude, why like just fucking kill yeah. them then? I just kill say. them. It was it was weird. I I don't think I was put off by it, but I wasn't into it the way That's I wanted I mean. to be. That's what I mean. It's sort of like, like it just doesn't quite land. It's yeah, I like, thought it was neat in theory. Like, okay, if the first one sets up that it can be flying these objects around and sort of has a connection to electrical equipment, you know, things. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it made sense. It worked. But just something in the execution didn't totally land. Um, going, I mean, yeah, the, the chainsaw thing, it just felt, it felt very, uh, they're saying, okay, we have a house. What are things that weren't in the first movie that we can now exploit, like make come alive and scare them, but they don't really follow through with it with the chainsaw for sure. Right before that, when, uh, Steven comes up to the car and tries to get Carol Ann to let him in and she won't do it because she saw him earlier, Mm. like possessed. I'd like to think that Carol Ann's smarter than that. That she said she's looking at her father right now. He's clearly not the same. He's clearly changed. I would oh, like you know to think that like, wasn't daddy. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You'd th- it's like you'd think that she would. He yeah. wouldn't have to say that. It's like, oh, da- it would be that would be such a great moment if she looked at it. And was like, daddy, it's you. Like, uh, yeah, you're, you're like, back. You're, yeah, you're, she there is. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, uh, that would be that would be a great that would be an emotionally resident moment. Moments. Like she realized, and you know, she's supposed to be so clairvoyant. She's supposed to be in touch with all these Again, writing like, her like she she's still a five year old yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, even as a five year old, I feel yeah. like she would. The, she was pretty, cool. she's smart. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really frustrated by that moment too. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, you don't dumb down the children. Like mm-hmm. that's why, that's what Steven Spielberg always was good about. Yeah. So like, don't make the children idiots, make them relatable. It's, yeah. The, the only other specific thing I'm sure you guys have more I want to hear, but just to get out the last specific thing I had that didn't work was Kane uh, disappearing <laughs> at the beginning in the mall. Like I just thought the effect was fine, whatever, but just it happening that soon, it, it was enough already just to have him there and being creepy. Like it didn't need it to be like just okay, wait, so there they can only see him and no one else can, and he's mm. like they can walk, all these other people can walk through him. Like it didn't, I don't know, just as far as like in a horror movie, how you're pacing out kind of the, 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 the stuff info? that you have to buy yeah. into. Yeah. yeah. It was just too much, 
too soon. You don't need to put an effect on this guy. Yeah, the special effects guy had a new toy he really <laughs> wanted to play with in yeah. that moment. It was like, yeah. hey, I can make people walk right through this guy. Let's do it. But no, you're you're so right. You, the guy is creepy enough. You don't need to add an incredibly lame <laughs> mid-80s special effect to <laughs> just emphasize that even more. That's probably the least creepy thing about him in that particular <laughs> scene. Makes a little sound oh. too. Oh, God. So yeah, reveal that later on. I mean, it's pretty clear that he's some kind of demon early on, but don't just we're not we're not idiots let us find that out later lure us in yeah there's really not a whole lot sort of left to discover in this movie Mm. you know what i mean they kind of just right away they tell you what's going on it's like zelda and and, uh taylor uh wait sorry uh, (laughs) yeah What's um Tangina? And Tangina. Taylor, so yeah. Tangina and Taylor kind of are like, oh hey everybody, just so you know, exposition. Uh, we're uh, in this cave, and um, <laughs> you know, it turns out there's a bunch of dead bodies in here. And oh, it was this. Uh, yeah. We well, oh, we found out really quickly that it was this preacher who had a cult, and he buried everybody alive. Yep. So everybody, cool. We're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, move on. Go tell everybody else. It's like, well, okay. Like now, I don't care. <laughs> like I want to discover things yeah, in the movie. Make that the discovery once we get there in the end. Like imagine this way. movie. But I like the flashbacks. Definitely, I do too. But imagine this movie if you didn't have any of the exposition. You just have them in this new place, and you just have this old dude popping up and interacting with oh, Caroline right. for the fir- the entire first act. Yeah. And you get to the end of the first act and it's sort of like, then Will, uh, sorry, Taylor, <laughs> his real name's Will, then Taylor shows up and he's like, fuck, like I needed to get to you guys. Are, is everything okay? And it's like, maybe it is the same kind of beat where it's like just after the grandma mm-hmm. has died and you can, you can weave those, the relationship with, him and and Steven together, but you're then trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. And even even in that first act with that ambiguity of who this old fuck is, maybe some maybe Carol Ann is having flashback sort of dreams. We've established she's clairvoyant. She's seen these weird things and we're just getting like th- like six frames of it. You know, where it's like these weird flashes of this old dude and she and you're like, why? She's already met him. So you it's like, is it just a nightmare she's having? Is there something to it? Whatever, like that would be incredibly unsettling. We and then we get more. <laughs> I mean, you edit, could, you, know? you really yeah. could. It wouldn't be hard. <laughs> you know, and then that sets up like it's actually a movie of discovering why this is happening again. Mm-hmm. Because they are just pretty much straight off the bat told why it's happening mm-hmm. again. Well, who gives a fuck then? It's like, okay, yeah. like, yeah, great. Here we go. That That's something that always... Uh, frequently upsets me when I watch sequels because the reason why most most commonly the reason why I enjoyed the first one was because I connected with the characters I connected with their experience so the fact that we have to spend I think the first 15 minutes of this movie not even seeing these characters that I liked but being told this backstory that that I have no real context about it's not going to be applied till later that's just such a bad way to get this going like Start out right there in that little backyard party to have let us catch up with the Freelings. That's, I mean, for me, that's why I'm yeah. here. So I don't need to hear about 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that yeah. also you could have sorry you could have had that opening scene that's there of the Native American stuff. Like I liked that, but again, sort of leave the explicit exposition out sure. at all. Tease it as like, oh, this is an interesting thing. We're in a sequel, new territory. Yeah. No, I'm with but that. But just don't cause, be. Yeah. Yeah, because like you can introduce Taylor without telling us anything. Yeah. We just go. Okay, Ooh, here's a new person. This? We don't know who he is. We don't know what his deal is, yeah. and even making him ambiguous will lay some groundwork for the characters we do know to also discover who's who. Yeah. Whereas like the way we have it, it's like Steven right out is just sort of like, are you, you know, it's the cahoots line. It's sort of like, <laughs> we just get it out of the way. <laughs> like, are you in cahoots? No. Okay. Like it's just meh. <laughs> What was it again? I, I possess. No, I, I don't cahoot with anybody. I don't cahoot with anybody. <laughs> um, so, Oh shit! There was one other thing that I, that that was making me think of. Um, shoot! If you don't remember, do you have anything yeah. else, Peter? Um, well, I did want to address what you were saying about things that worked. Uh, I didn't like the interplay between Taylor and Stephen. Mm. I felt like that was. It just seemed like such an easy way to go. Like, I mean, Stephen is the skeptic, and he got Taylor, and he's just like, "Oh, this." This old fool, what's he doing? It, it felt like something just straight out of, well, the 80s, I guess. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, it, it didn't work. It didn't feel natural. It didn't really feel like it had to be there. Yeah. And, I mean, like like I said, or it just reminds me of like Ghostbusters. I mean, he has seen that this stuff exists, that these supernatural right. elements exist. He's lived through this. Why is he still a skeptic? And why is he looking at this Taylor guy with the side eye? It just seems like, okay, you have to have the white character uh, look at the Native American and say, yeah. oh, what a buffoon. Like, that just seems like, like people are them. still that way to things like But that. they haven't been through what Steven's been through. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I know. Yeah, people are still that way. And yeah, I can kind of forgive that aspect of it. It just felt, it just felt clunky the way it was written out. I yeah. didn't feel like You're right. it, I think it, they it felt too formulaic. They could have established yeah. the change that he went through at the end of the first one more at the beginning of this one. And then kind of built it from there rather than feeling like it was being repeated so much. Mm -hmm. Like you could still have it sort of getting at this core character thing he has to work out, but at least have him already be the Steven who went through the events of the first one and learned something from there. I think they, so I, it's, I don't know. I it's, feel so, <laughs> it's, I think they were on the right track almost because the root of what's what Steven's problem or flaw in this movie is, is that he's not kind of quote unquote manning up, which I don't really like that term, but that's what they, they're trying to reinforce this idea of like, what, what does it mean to be a man and like the, the patriarch of the household and protecting your family and all that stuff. If we're watching him really unravel and Taylor's role is not to be this sort of counterpoint to him unraveling, but to be, a, like somebody who's coming in to try to support in a, him in that state and help him like actually help him in a sort of more deep and meaningful way. Mm. And he's pushing that off the same way that, you know, somebody who's struggling with whatever, anything in their lives often will push away help. And if Diane is having like she she's not penetrating either. And this outside person isn't penetrating that that come around of that could be quite powerful. But like 
it's all kind of like what you're saying. It's there's a little tongue in cheek to it. It's a little too kind of like on the nose, like the car thing, like <laughs> it's a little it's just doesn't quite land. I think that they could have it may it would be a different movie. And maybe, you know, they have a mandate to keep it sort of in this particular fucking plane yeah. of, of family friendly, but, you know, scary as well, whatever. But like, I don't know. Yeah. Watching I, somebody in the in a really bad place in their life and watching the people around them try, like desperately try to help is powerful shit. Mm, yeah. Like put it in. Yeah. Why not? I'll I'll stand by that I think as far as just who Steven represents and is as a character is a really fun good contrast to to Willie, Willie Sampson, <laughs> that Taylor. Um but I, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So no but, but wouldn't you I'm giving wanna... myself my own butt, you know. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. You go you I mean, give but your yours butt. is different. Um Wouldn't you like to see us what I would love to have seen in the first fucking two acts of this movie, Steven be the thing that is antithetical to who he really is and who we've grown to love. That's, and that's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say is like, show us the, how he grew from the first one. Again, make that the starting place. Cause you could then just have sort of like, okay, but this sort of his new reality is then being usurped in another way, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause I, I, I think it would be fun to watch him to, to have us, not get the things that we love about him in in most of this movie and then have that be his sort of catharsis that he comes back around to accepting or you know rediscovering what his sort of strength was in the first one Mm -hmm. because he's pretty fucking like like powerful and strong and like he's so fucking endearing and he's just like i'm in like we're gonna fucking solve this it should have ended with him sacrificing himself you know, and wow. he lives or he doesn't, but right. he's just in his headstrong mode, puts everything else aside, you know, you know, hits that, use that final spear, you know, grabs the beast and takes it to the realm within the realm, you know, <laughs> whatever. It is, it is so fucking of that era of like, you solve the fucking movie by like just killing the thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Dolly Dearest. Exactly. Blow it's, it up. Yeah, just Shoot blow it, it up. Blow just it fucking up. stab it with a spear. Just fucking... <laughs> And have grandma. But if it's a blessed <laughs> spear or whatever, you know. <sighs> what else you guys got? Oh, good for- I have one one okay. more. Just the visual aesthetic of the that sort of hallmarky, like overlit, <laughs> glossy, like cheesecloth-y stuff. That, yeah. So much of that. I <laughs> fucking hate that. You know when it only, the only time that shit ever works in modern day is when David Lynch does it in Blue Velvet. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you don't do it. <laughs> it's fucking dumb looking. Right. In modern him. day, thirty-three years ago. That's right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the modern film era, mm, yeah. whatever that means. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So, you know, any what else you got? I mean, we we discussed the climax. So, yeah. I, I mean, I just want to add to that, or not add my opinion. It doesn't work. It doesn't land. There's not enough that really happens. It just it's the special effects people finding ways to make it as uh, visually stunning for 1986 as they possibly can, <laughs> as, uh, including a big giant angel who's the grandmother. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't land in an emotional way at all. But I mean, or in even a visceral way at all, because it's just not paced well. It's just yeah. 
completely lands Actually, with the thud. Actually, that was, you know, if they're duplicating the first one, almost sort of larger beat for beat, this is the this scene. I missed having the sort of surprise fourth act. <laughs> like, it felt like it was yeah. kind of lacking in some way by the yeah. ending. That sounded like what you kind of were getting at. As far as it felt kind of rushed, in a sense, by the time we finally get to the ending. It's as if they ran out of money or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah. was, uh, that's my other thing. It, the, the the sort of just the the wonkiness and the the clearly like they didn't have enough time or money to do some of these effects like even in the opening scene like the smoke and it sort of cart you know it's doing its thing i forget what you even would call that but it, it effectively is animated smoke yeah. right like the first it, one it, it, exactly but it just doesn't look as good as even the first one like they just didn't spend enough time you can see the edges you know what i mean yeah, so to speak you can doesn't see have the, the same character the, the first one the, had. the 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 quote-unquote spielberg clouds like those look like they comped it in and they were like well we can't really make it big enough for this so let's just just shrink them down a little bit yeah you know like eat little stuff like final that. finessing yeah. yeah it's just sort of like oh we don't really have enough money for that so just yeah, grab that throw yeah. it in I don't know if it's as visible on uh, like a VHS or something, but watching this Blu-ray, I mean, you can see the halos around the effects. You can see like the discoloration, oh, yeah. like the blackness that's pretty prevalent in the, you know, like Return of the Jedi, which right. was then fixed by George Lucas in the special yeah. edition. So well, we just yeah. got to wait for Poltergeist to the other side special edition. <laughs> I'm sure they'll do that first before Purple. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. The Okay. So you don't have the money or the technology for the special effects to look convincing. So find another way to do it. Like the first movie. Movie. I mean, the, it was made four years early, but earlier, but the yeah. effects hold up. They right. looked the fine. They looked perfectly acceptable. Don't make today. a floating fucking like mess monster in fucking daylight. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's just don't make that decision. Right there. Yeah. yeah. So, do you want to? Are you good for things of note, guys? Yeah, sure. Because we can learn all about that floating. What did you call it? <laughs> yes. Good. <laughs> all right. Things of note. This should be interesting. So, yeah, wait, what did you just call it? Floated? That was perfect. Mess monster. Mess monster. (laughs) (laughs) So that, so you said you didn't like design. You should check it out. So H.R. Geiger was the concept artist on this film. And his original artwork for The Beast is, as you'd expect, pretty stellar and cool. I bet. So... So when it came time to actually making this into a real thing, though, so H.R. Geiger, you know, we all know is an interesting guy, but he was very selective and sort of when he'd actually, you know, uh, leave, leave his house to sort of work on films or whatever. Uh, he he never wanted to leave his cat for like more than very long was part of it. But he's also very selective with his films. But um, yeah, he thought that, you know, this one, he liked doing them too. It was a cool opportunity. So um, he sent his sort of trusted assistant over to be his like overseer and had like the specific directions, da, 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 you know, make sure they translate this, my concept art accordingly. Uh-oh. So as soon as basically the assistant was like, uh, hey, I think he should come look at this, but I just got to tell you, it's all too late to change. Oh, no. <laughs> and so H.R. Geiger <laughs> went over there. And, you know, we kind of imagined him that maybe he'd be some sort of irascible fellow, which, he, you know, is in a certain card, but he's very respectful. You know, he's like, oh, everyone, you did 
great work, da 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 da, you know, all the time you did. So, and he, I think he kind of got to that it was like, well, I mean, yeah, look at what I painted here and like, how are you going to make it? Like when you look at it, it's this, it's this extended. So it's got this, like, as you put it, this foot thing, mm -hmm. that's like a single solid tentacle, then this body that's this multiple moving faces and then extending out into like more tentacles with sort of like a sort of tentacle face mm -hmm. within that. So the effects guys looked at that and were like, well, how are we going to, how are you going to make that, you know? So it sounded like H.R. Geiger's more critique was in, and he had ideas for it, for how to shoot it and how to light it. And he had ideas like he, directions on that, that I guess they just didn't end up sticking with. How you much guess. to show it. Yeah. <laughs> well, meaning is as far as, uh, at what point, how did they get yeah. a shoe? Do you know? Right. Did they forget about it? Was it intentional? Did it just evolve out? But um, yeah, I don't know. And it got me think. like, yeah, he was just not happy with how, yeah, was how it turned out clearly, but, but attested it more to like a lot of just how they shot it. Cause he kind of almost gave them benefit that he wasn't there. How did the heck would you make this in real life anyways? Um, yeah. Did, um, do you know if those, uh, sketches or paintings or anything exist? Yeah, they are, they were in the documentary. You can look them up online. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. You should look at it. He, um, yeah, and yeah. Let's throw that, let's find a couple and throw them up on the old, uh, the Instagram. In, the Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be um, fun. It's not too much on screen, but he did like the, what we've already commended, the torso creature that crawls out. <laughs> I thought it maybe moved a little too fast, but aside from that, <laughs> I liked how it moved. Nice. Um, and then he liked the worm also, those <laughs> okay. two things. God is okay. Good. So we're, we're on the same page there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. You guys want to hear more things about the effects? Yeah. We got more stuff. The, um, see, as I mentioned, the torso monster, do you remember like how it gives that smirk? And sort of attached to that performance, you see its mouth give like a twitch. <laughs> yeah. It's very specific. Oh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. So yeah. so when they got that, the um, the effects guy, one of the main effects guys, Steve Johnson, I think it was, I was like, oh, no, you know, we got to do it again. The wire snapped. And the director and everyone else was like watching the, watching it or watching the playback or whatever. They're like, oh, no, that was awesome. And yeah. I think it was one of those examples where, yeah, it gives it a realistic sort of uh, you can't replicate it quirk that made it that much more just kind of take on a life of its own. So it was cool that they did go well, with that. That's, yeah, that is a memorable moment. Yeah. I'm glad they kept it. That is Even like well, a sub moment, you know, yeah, <laughs> just like, like that twitch it does. A yeah. Mem a memorable moment amongst an, in, an enormously memorable moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. And the, then that same effect guy, Steve Johnson, who's in this documentary, he wasn't crazy about how the braces against the ceiling looked either. Um, but he said, as far as working with H.R. Geiger, he learned something valuable, um, which was while he was sort of taught by the, he put it, the Dick Smith, Richard Baker school of realism with effects, where you basically take as much time as possible, get the sculpt to look, yeah, as realistic as possible. Um, he said H.R. Geiger taught him, like, you have to, if you, the, the more quickly you can finish something, the truer it will be to the original idea and sort of capture mm. that kind of original inception point or magic. It's closer to that. So he said, okay, well, once he started doing that with, he was sculpting all the heads on the great beast thing, uh, 
he said you could see the distinction between all the ones that he was taking weeks to complete he thought didn't look as good and the ones that he did faster were just sort of way more potent or interesting hmm. but then he took him you know a day to finish wow yeah that's interesting and that's how hr geiger paints was this guy like get the idea out if he's thinking of something sketch it immediately huh. right. wow yeah it's far out um, I have a, or did you have more? Things? I have more, but I want to hear from you guys. <laughs> I, I have something that I've heard for years and according to IMDB is the case. So, but I mean, who really knows with IMDB, maybe you can confirm since you watched all those documentaries <laughs> that the original cut of this movie was 135 minutes long Oh, cool. and it tested poorly. So they cut 45 minutes from it. And that's why we have this 91 minute version, wow. which seems to skip over so many plot points and character development. I would love to see that. And, uh, and so many scenes seem so sloppily edited yeah. and seem to move too quickly. Wow. As I, so when I heard this, like I, I watched this movie, I kind of believe it. I feel like a lot could have been ser- like really deepened. Um, there's just so many moments that just don't really hit because they aren't given enough room yeah. to breathe. I feel like this whole movie is just rushed and just weirdly paced and things just don't really happen at the right time. And that could be a symptom of uh, having yeah. um, like an entire third of the movie. Just get it to that right running time. It's just, and that's just so, I mean, yeah, that would be a logical next step after what, I mean, Poltergeist 1 was 115 minutes. So yeah, let's make it a little bit longer. I mean, it. so I kind of believe this rumor. Um, yeah. Yeah, hmm. which is, and when they released that Shout Factory Blu-ray or when they announced it, I was like, are they going to finally put the 135-minute version <laughs> out to the to the open? And sure enough, they That didn't. was probably not a version, but a, like, first cut. You yeah, know, those things yeah. don't really have a finished thing they can put out right. in an easy, that easy might, recordable yeah. way. It takes just... a lot of resources and fandom in order to get that done. Are there any deleted scenes or anything on that Blu-ray? No, I didn't yeah. notice them. Right, um, yeah. I wanted to listen to the commentary, did not have time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the weird thing about this, but it just doesn't, the pacing is just so far off, and I feel like that is the explanation for it right yeah. there. So. Hmm. Did you know that the uh, director died? Like... Mm. Four years after this? Oh, wow. It's Brian the real Gibson. poltergeist curse. There. Yeah, I don't know. I'm Did trying to sort of else? look at that curse thing. Yeah. It's it's kind of fucking bullshit. Well, <laughs> what mean, do you got on it? Do you have stuff no, on it? No, not the curse, but just something real. I'll put it that way. You know, like the first one, how they used um, real skeletons because they are cheaper than fake skeletons. <laughs> Same deal with this one. Really? And repeated uh, it. <laughs> Will Sampson was not too happy about that oh i mean i read that he did a full exorcism of, yep. of the set he <gasps> flipped out yep. and did this whole yeah did this whole like a ritualistic ceremony thing, ceremony thing. Yeah. like he was mad that they used real skeletons and it's like dude let me do my thing here yeah so will sampson really was this guy it's yeah great, so it was this kind of okay and yeah. so um the actor who played robbie <laughs> what's his name oliver oliver robbins, robbins. yeah yeah he described <laughs> working working with will sampson as kind of like i was trying to allude to earlier his eyes mm-hmm. are you just saw he had a, a depth to them of like he's, he has seen the other side hmm. and had that that presence for sure yeah and um oh yeah so actually yeah we were wondering the braces thing that was orig- i totally forgot that was originally going to be a bee attack Oh, geez. But he God. was allergic to bees. Ooh. So they said, uh-uh, no way. And <laughs> Safety that, first. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Interesting how they got from point A to B, not, <laughs> not that one. <laughs> You've done it. 
I'm gonna fucking jump across this room. <laughs> and then, uh, what would that see? Is he still brushing his teeth in the like in yeah, the bathroom? Where like yeah, where are these beans coming? <laughs> probably from the, the yeah, rose probably, bushes. Uh, probably from the tree right outside yeah. his bedroom mm. door. They were just oh, repeating just a, what's happening. Just a cartoon <laughs> beehive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's going up to get some honey, yep. disguising himself as a rain cloud. Uh, right. <laughs> Does not work. The last thing I had for Robbie's interview was um, he was really excited when he got the call for the sequel because it he he could leave school and it would get him out of getting bullied. Oh man, Aww, that's, that's depressing. I know. But, Fuck uh, you, bullies. That's how he said it. Yeah. But they didn't ask him to do the third one. Oh, Maybe they didn't have the, the part one. for him. <laughs> you're right okay uh the only we last those new characters so much more yeah uh, okay. the very last thing i had so it's a lot but uh i loved learning about this effects guy on it screaming mad george mm. it's his this is how he goes by it's his name it's his moniker it's what his lower third said he's this like japanese dude from osaka who worked on this and uh society did all yeah uh, oh no your favorite movie. yeah um and that's a few other films a lot of like sequels of different things so and he's just this like punk character cool it's like a name to recommend for or a name to know for next time you're playing horror movie 80s horror movie trivial pursuit (laughs) they have that (laughs) yeah Mm. um i think it's noteworthy i guess the budget was 19 million and it made 40 but generally budgets are listed as about half of what their actual budget is because they don't put into like the budget the pr and whatever and yeah. i'm pretty sure they put a lot into the pr for this movie so they essentially broke even <laughs> well enough to warrant a third one yeah yeah, yeah if, by if the, gotta... the bankers the third one was a flop though That's... yeah <laughs> okay lastly this is not a trivia thing but i just thought it was funny that this you could read this whole movie that kane is right and this was just about taylor conning a family for a car <laughs> oh my god i'm in fair I'm enough in. Yeah. fair enough so you know it, it makes so much more sense now <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything else interesting noteworthy if, if you're able to get butterflies to float around you that's that's a that gets people to trust you yeah, yeah. you could get mm, a lot of cars true. that way that's <laughs> true yeah. That's all it takes. We had our experience watching it. That was great. Yeah. I don't yeah, know what else to it. say. We we never mentioned the dream sequence where she gets pulled into the lawn. That's that's pretty good. That's oh yeah. Fuck. I kinda like it. It is good. Right? It's so short and so sort of like in the middle of a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. That yeah, it, yeah. It, it comes it, at it a completely lost. awkward time, just yeah. like everything else in this movie. That's but I bad. think as as a short film. But she it shouldn't be works. the one having that experience. Yeah. Right. Fucking Steven <laughs> should have that experience. If we're <laughs> flipping the movie a little bit, may, have Steven have that experience. Like you're doing scene yeah. to scene. Like flip it. Like poke his buttons, yeah. 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 Then I'd be on board. I'd be like, no, sh- I'd fucking but drink they a bottle of tequila after, after that. Caroline. Fine. <laughs> I mean, in the first movie, she gets the worst of it, and in this movie, she gets the worst of it again. It's kind of, it's like, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know what? That's because the the original creators aren't involved. They're just recreate. Yeah. They're just doing exactly what the first one did, as close as they can, and hopefully, the success repeats itself. Well, but... it didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Screaming, screaming, Mad George was also on Big Trouble, Little China, Predator, Ooh. Nightmare on Elm Street three and four. Hell yeah. Yeah. Nice. 
Cool, guys. I think that's it. We for did it. Wow. We, we fucking yeah. did it. How about it? Right. Yeah. So, uh, significantly longer than the movie itself. You know? <laughs> oh, right. yeah. So, so, uh, some recommendations? Yes. Sh- should you go first, Peter? Sure. Our guest. Sure. What can you recommend, Ed? <sighs> what I can recommend? I mean, if you recommend Ed, I can recommend Ed. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll just do something a little a little quirky, but only and tangentially related to what you guys do here. You There's a new fucking uh, say Arnold. <laughs> There's a move if you go to a really like obscure video store and they have these two for one sales. If you want to buy okay, Back to the okay. Future, you can get a copy of Arnold, and you should really watch Arnold. It's also on YouTube. Um, so. Uh, okay, uh, there's a movie out right now, a remake of Child's Play, which I have not seen. Uh, Child's Play, of course, the the Chucky movie. Most mm-hmm. people call it Chucky. It's called Child's Play. Uh, the main actress in that is a actress who I'm very fond of called Aubrey Plaza. Mm-hmm. Whenever she has a movie out, she does the talk show circuits like crazy. And she's been on almost every talk show in existence right now. And they are all spectacular appearances. They're very funny, um, as they always are in a perfectly awkward uh um, out of body kind of way that she always assumes. Um, I yeah, there's that, and uh, on YouTubers, I've been hearing for years about this YouTube series where uh, people um, eat uh, progressively spicy pieces of bu- uh, buffalo wings. Oh yeah, with chicken. Mm. I saw she that. did that, and uh, yeah, I was the first time I ever watched that because she she did it, and that is once again a very fun appearance. So if you like Aubrey Plaza, she's out there nice. and she's doing her thing. I I feel like she should get like a Netflix special or something just being who she is because she's that's a good recommendation I'm excited to watch those now please do I've definitely seen a super cut of her on talk shows oh yeah it is hilarious stuff she's great anytime we can get new material to add to those super cuts it's a good time (laughs) it's so good I can keep going down the list I'm trying to pick I want after watching all the Godzilla films pick a Godzilla film from each era of Godzilla films as a favorite to recommend dead. Um, so yeah, last last episode, I picked one from the first era that runs between 54 and 75. Um, and now for this one, this was, okay, so the, the Hisai, I don't know how you say it, period, from 84 to 95, this was my favorite like period if I had to pick one. They all had their perks, but it had like the original composer who was the really good one, made all the themes. And my favorite thing in any kind of series or horror movie is continuity between mm. the films. This was the only one that fully does it. You mean cobweb continuity? No. Ah, continuity. Damn it. Sorry, Tim. Um, and so I think my favorite among them, it's not this, the scariest ones at the earlier ones, maybe not the coolest monster, but just tonally, it was like so ridiculous and like fun, but just kind of... I don't know. Like, I don't know. It just, let me just read this. Okay. Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. It's that one. It's kind of comes in the middle of them all. The synopsis is time travelers efforts to prevent a dinosaur's mutation result in the creation of a three headed dragon that terrorizes Japan. You got time travel. You got these weird little cute creature things. You got, (laughs) yeah. Fun leads. Um, and then you got King Ghidorah and Godzilla. You know, it's just, uh, the arch nemesis is my favorite out of them. Check it out. That's pretty cool. 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 So I, I decided to take a look at one of these new Netflix originals. Um, 
that are popping up. And, you know, I, I, I think we talked about this. I, I start a lot of movies and, you know, I give it about 20 minutes and if it's shit, I just <laughs> turn it off, which seems kind of dumb, I get, or maybe against my, I don't know. I, I feel bad doing it, I guess, or I used to feel bad doing it. Now uh-huh. I don't care. Um, but there's a movie called Perfection, I believe it's Perfection, not perf- The Perfection. It's have you Perfection. Heard of it it's called. Oh no, it is. Yeah. It's The Perfection. Um, and it yeah, it's a Netflix original. It's got the girl who was in Get Out. She's the lead. The the girlfriend whose name is. Oh yeah. Uh, what Allison is Allison Williams? Yes, thank yeah, you. Right. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's, it's got some good shit in it. It's got a couple things that I just, as like, um, I don't know, as, as, as storytelling sort of things I, I don't like, but whatever. There's this like events happen and then they sort of show them in reverse and then do it again kind of thing. And that I was like, that's weird and I'm not into it, but, but. There's some pretty good shit in it, and there's it's got some cool twist and turny sort of stuff in it, and it's got some really good unpleasant body horror. Um, and a dude who I really like, Steven Weber, the actor Steven oh, Weber is in it. He's mm-hmm. great. Um, and I, I've met him. He's a fucking awesome dude. <laughs> um, so all in all, it, it's worth – because it's one of these like sort of stream on Netflix, whatever, like if you if you have the hour and a half or whatever it is, two hours, and you're just looking for a fun, a fun kind of dark, twisted thing, it, it's pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's pretty good. Okay. I was glad I put it on. <laughs> cool. I'm a girls fan, so I like Allison Williams a lot. I will yeah. watch that. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, she's good. She really seems she she feels much different. The, the character feels much different from anything I've seen her do before. So uh, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I kept having to remind myself who she was. Uh, I was like, oh, wait, that's right. That's that girl, right? Got it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. I think we got to do the part of the show that I've been most excited for. Tim. <gasps> and that's when we have our guests, yes. our guests choosing <gasps> mine and Tim's fate oh! <laughs> for next week. Peter Warden, would you pull from the hat? So Arnold isn't in here anymore? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose you could read it. I guess we got to talk about Arnold again. (laughs) You have to watch it and talk about it. (laughs) Don't get to skip the first part. Okay. I'm just, I'm just wrestling through here. I assure you I'm, I'm going to do the least painful thing I can think of because of what I did to you last time. So, Oh, uh, you know what? I think I did. Audition. Yeah. From 1999. I have not seen this. I've avoided watching this movie. I haven't seen it either, but I hear nothing but amazing things. I'm jealous that you guys can I have seen it. It was a while ago. I thought it was great, and we had to put it in because, well, Tim hasn't seen it, and I want to talk about it. (laughs) Shit. That is a good one, Peter. Oh, that is good. Fuck yeah. Thank you. Well, I expected to... Oh, this fell out. Um, I expected to find something that I had never heard of in my life because that seems to be... Most of the movies that appear on here, so, but uh, no, Audition, a very well-respected, famous movie. Great. Awesome. Find a good Blu-ray of that, too. Easy. We could see it in theaters. Oh, so good, Tim. It's so possible. Watch it when it's dark. Get all get all in the good mood. This one's a big one. Yeah. Well, all right. In the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. 
Yeah, and on Instagram at dismemberinghorror, Gmail, dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. And Twitter. <laughs> yep, got all that good stuff. But in Peter, where can everyone find you and your show? Uh, you can find, well, you can find me at, uh, well, the show, Retro Reviews. Uh, the Instagram is Retro Reviews Pod. Uh, you can email us at uh, retroreviewspod.com. And uh, yeah, I mean, just do a quick Google search, Retro Reviews, Peter and Ray. You'll find us. The Our next episode is going to be on a movie I'm very fond of called Mulholland Drive. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. That will have come it. out uh, by the time this episode's released. Probably, and, yeah. So right. hear Sweet. Peter talk about some women. I like to call it a horror film in a lot of ways so. i think it is a horror yeah, film yeah yeah, yeah it should be in your hat yeah, so man. uh yeah, yeah check it's it out you're, you're more of peter <laughs> yeah, and tim yeah, right. and peter you're at p.warden.40 at instagram you can find me at p.warden.40 yes yeah yeah check it out you can see right. peter uh going to see you too and going to disneyland <laughs> also don't forget that peter is the star of drew todd Oh, right. <gasps> my favorite doll movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Available on YouTube. <laughs> Recently unearthed. Uh, I appreciate that shout out. Yep. Very proud of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, in closing, uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>